podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate Podcast. We're back again because Villa are back again tomorrow night against Leicester. Away to Leicester. And, you know, the away grounds seem to be our playgrounds at the moment, Paddy. And uh, I, I was doing a Villa view earlier on with Dan Bardell uh, earlier on, very early this morning, actually, in fact. And um, it was a case whereby uh, we, were, uh, we were mentioning that it's almost nearly... A better for Aston Villa to play away at the moment because of what since Una Emery has come in, we look so much more structured, and hopefully that uh, still stands strong again when we play against Leicester um, at the Walker Stadium, the old Filbert Street, the old. I'm here and I'm trying to remember what the name of the stadium is, and that's why I was filling in there talking about Bardell. What's it called? The King Power. The King, King Power, Power Stadium. Stadium. There it yeah. is. Came to me. <laughs> I think something similar happened recently as well when we were talking about Leicester Stadium. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. How are you, Paddy? Jesus, Neil, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I didn't touch anything. I don't know what happened there. Uh, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. I'm good. Got Monday out of the way. Step closer to Good Friday. And it will be a Good Friday, won't it, Neil? It will be a Good Friday because I booked my... But my seven forty AM bus to Dublin Airport to get my two get my three fifteen flight. Let me tell you a little story. I don't know if anybody was watching the podcast last when we were going up to Norwich last year. There's one thing I like nearly like more than watching Aston Villa play, and that's hanging around airports. Um, I know that that might sound a small bit mad, but I love when you get to an airport and you just sit there with a pint and you go. I don't. I'm not. I don't have to drive a car. I don't have to be in charge of anything anymore. All I have to do is pick up my bag and walk towards a big tin can that's going to fly in the sky. I love it. It's one. It's my. It's my favorite part of the whole. The whole. A uh, whole holiday is that hour, two hours, and I'm going to be honest with you. I could be there six hours beforehand. I just love sitting around <laughs> in airports and seeing everybody so giddy and happy about going on holidays. I love it. It's my favorite time. And I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it this time either, because I'm going to be giddy uh, this time uh, going over to, to Villa Park, because it's been a while, and it'll probably be a while before I get over again after this after this trip. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. We'll, we'll make the most of it, Neil. We will. I just said, Paddy, a text there. I said, uh, I'm going drinking two bottles tonight. I'm going drinking three bottles tomorrow night, <laughs> four on Wednesday, and eight on Thursday, just to stretch out the liver before the weekend. You know, you have you have to do like you you'd never see a. You never see a Premier, Fo- Premier Premier League football player go out without stretching, so you got to do the exact same thing as well. Fair enough. <laughs> I won't be doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but Villa are, I hopefully are going to be well stretched and well, um, and and then good fettle come come tomorrow night against Leicester. Managerless Leicester, Paddy. Um, yeah, yeah. That, I think that came a bit out of the blue, didn't it? No. In a week where they've in a week where they've got three games, considering they could have got rid of him sooner, and everybody wanted him rid of him sooner. All our fans wanted rid of him sooner. I I was at this fixture last year, 
and their fans wanted rid of him. And he's still there until yesterday. So, I don't know. It's a strange one. Um, he's gone okay. now anyway. And, and I don't envisage they're going to have anybody to play for by tomorrow night. But, uh, yeah, I've even forgotten the name of the, the guy that's in there on his... Uh, Michael Stowell. Stowell. Yes. I went through it. I went through he, a couple he, of Michael Stowell's he, facts. He, yeah, he, he was caretaker manager before, wasn't he? Paddy, you obviously haven't listened to the Villa View today. Um, he was caretaker in 2007. Going back as far as 2007, and we went through it. He actually has a 62% win rate as caretaker manager <laughs> for Leicester. He's, he's managed like eight games or something. Um, he was joint caretaker with Shakespeare. Um, he was joint caretaker with somebody else after Claude Puel was, um, was sacked. And, and he, was, uh, he was caretaker in his right three times as well before. And he's married to Rachel MacArthur from... Uh, uh, that used to play with, with the Lionesses. Lionesses. Yeah, yeah, used to play with the Lionesses. He's married to her uh, as well. So we went through a whole Michael Stowell fact file. And then there's a guy who's Adam Sadler. He's going to be backing him up and myself. and uh, Adam Sandler? Uh, that's exactly what we said as well, Adam Sandler. Well, with the influx of, of Hollywood movie stars into the Premier League or into English football at the moment, mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me to see Adam Sandler rock up at any of the clubs soon. But... Um, yeah, it's it's like the, the I, I have a I have a quick one for you, Paddy. So yesterday we saw two managers leave their post in Brendan Rodgers and um Graham Potter. The last two managers to leave their post on the same day, who were they? And when was it? Oh Lord, Premier League managers. Yeah. Yeah. Um I have a vague recollection of one of ours being one of them. Is that correct? No. No? No? Okay, I give up. <laughs> so, Dick Advocate and Brendan Rogers were both sacked on the same day. Dick Advocate was managing Sunderland and Rogers was managing Liverpool. They were both sacked on the same really? day. That was the la- Apparently so. That was the last time the two Premier League managers were sacked on the same day mid-season. Yeah, I thought I thought there was some news that overshadowed Dean Smith being sacked, and that, that could have been a transfer or anything. I can't remember, but there was definitely something happened on that day. And Smith was sacked in October, so maybe it might have been England team announcement or something. Possibly, possibly. Maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matched. Fights for podcasts. I stop giving you all my money, baby. We stop winning. I'm also superstitious now. <laughs> Keep throwing at us, Matt. We'll, uh, Thanks, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a couple of points Saturday and we'll, we'll be thinking of it. <laughs> mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. But um, <laughs> yeah, as I say, it's like like we're doing the doing the, the, the rounds now. We'll play the team that have lost their man or the, the ended up losing their manager directly after we played them. And now playing the team that have lost their manager. And look, I'm not going to rule it out. Steve Cooper is back under pressure again. We'll talk about that later on, Paddy, I suppose, in the, in the week. But bear that yeah. in mind that they tried to sack him, gave him a five-year contract extension, and now probably want to sack him again. So that one's another one that we'd have to talk about. But this Leicester team, like, player for player for player, I, I put this Leicester team up in the echelons with, with West Ham in the fact that I really can't understand how they're down there. I can't because they're not one of the three worst teams in the Premier League. They're just so stale. It's, the club feels stale or something at the moment. 
and and uh, you know I hope that they stay still for another forty eight hours at least anyway because uh, three points for us makes yeah. it a massive massive jump up the table potentially. I I think I think it is more of a case that the the, the club itself is stale. I I am not sure now I've I've nothing to base this on, but I'm not sure the same love is there um, that Visha I had for the for the for the club itself. So. Um, I, I don't know whether that's it or or that's what's going on, but the, the fans aren't happy, the players aren't happy, the players aren't functioning the way they were. Like it's not so long ago that they like they won an FA Cup, they won the league six or seven years ago. Mm. Six years ago was it? Twenty sixteen was it? Oh, I don't know. I said four years ago when I was talking <laughs> today about it, but I was wildly off yeah. the mark. Yeah, about twenty fifteen, um, I think it was. They probably haven't replenished the players in a way that they should in order to maintain that kind of. Uh, impetus in the league they've they've just seemed to have lost their way a little bit so you know let's make the most of it tomorrow and let them try and rebuild what what they're like i'm I'm surprised obviously it's going to cost a lot of money to get rid of a manager we all know that so that's obviously why they haven't got rid of uh brendan rogers maybe they were hoping he'd go himself but no manager no (laughs) no manager thought like why would you leave a job and you're going to get a free check it's yeah. just, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. So, and to be honest, from all, I don't know Brendan Rodgers. I've never spoken to him. Apparently, he's supposed to be a lovely fella. But yeah. when it comes to business and when it comes to stuff like that, and it comes to challenging his honor, I think is is the phrase I would use. Apparently, you best be prepared for him not to back down. Um, you know, so like, why would he? Why would he walk away from it? You know, why would he walk from it? Like, you're, you're right. No, but nobody um, in their right mind walks away from a pay rise or a payoff. That's 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 just the way we all are. Albeit that managers have a lot more money than we have. Um, I think I made a stupid comment to you yesterday saying, uh, <laughs> "Potter got enough for us to retire on. He probably got enough for everybody that's watching this show to retire." I was on. just about to say, Paddy. Rumor has it once again, open to suggestion in this. Apparently, his contract was like was was a bazillion euros or whatever over five years. That's fine. But apparently there was some clause in it whereby he actually only takes 3.2 million if they sacked him before a certain time. So he had to prove himself to earn the rest of his contract in a severance pay. I read that somewhere last night. I'm open yeah. to correction on it. But it's, I think it was Matt Law might have had it. I think Matt Law might have had it on the Telegraph. That uh, apparently they, when they got rid of him, when he did, he had a, um, it was a, a fixed severance pay of 3.2 million oh, which is fine absolutely like, give me 3.2 million to get sacked at what about what is he 45 46 uh, Graham Potter yeah I'll <laughs> okay. take I'll take 3.2 million to leave my job in the morning no bother but um, you know as I say his contract was whopper like they paid 21.5 million for him and and he turned down Leicester today as well so we're keeping it on topic apparently all all signs point to this Alleg- allegedly <laughs> yeah he's going to take time. i think he should i think you should go the eddie howe route and just go to the wilderness for a while because his his stock will grow regardless because people will look back at like the better brighton do when he's not in the brighton job as well people will go oh yeah but it was it was graham potter that started this brighton revival you know yeah. and uh, and that's the way that's the way football <laughs> works you know the longer you're on the I mean, bench as well the better a player you were he he's been involved in an absolute shit show as well for the last few months. The amount of players he's had to try and keep happy there is absolutely incredible. And you think you think of all of what they uh, have to keep happy, and yet, who who I've forgotten the friend, the German guy who was playing up front, Havertz, can't even hit a fucking barn door. 
and yet that's he'll be what they're playing up for, uh, He'll be at Bayern Munich for 25 million in the summer. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. So, look, he didn't He didn't sign all those players. I, I doubt he had any input into most of them. So, I, I think it's very unfair that he was, he was let go. I think they're a club in transition. I think whoever comes in there will be gone very quickly too because the, the amount of cleaning up that has to be done is an absolute disgrace. When you think of all the money that's been spent there, like bonkers money, you know, we we you you often Half talk about the, the stuff that's gone on with amortization of, of contracts there. They've 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 actually caused UEFA to put a, a stop to all of these contracts. So, um, it's it's basically a Chelsea rule that's going to come in to stop other people doing it. And and it's, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think we need to go back to the days where footballers are free to move after three or four years three or four years is enough of a contract I think um, Now that you mentioned it Paddy, I spoke uh, well I, I had a small little Twitter kind of back and forth with um, in a good way that is with Kieran Maguire and, um, but I, I spoke to him after we did our podcast about the amortisation piece and uh, a lot of clubs are watching intently with what Chelsea what's, happen, what's happening in Chelsea you know because what was seen as the golden goose for uh, circumnavigating financial fair play and even with UEFA bringing it in that after year five it still doesn't count you can still it doesn't count FFP but for Aston Villa they could still do it for their normal accounting books you know so they would still be able to do it if, even if they're not in European competition it still stops you from becoming insolvent so it doesn't really matter as long as you're growing your 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 revenues but from that point of view clubs are still looking at it because they're going Will like there could be huge losses as, as well from from like these bringing all the, in all these players and eight year contracts, and then doubling down on the fact that well we don't want to sell them because we've given them an eight year contract because they're young and we want to see if they can grow through the club, and then mm. their academy system stagnating here. So <clears throat> there's a massive, massive. It's it's a huge gamble in a way, and and I'll be honest, I never thought of it in that way because I always thought it was it was really smart accounting, but smart accounting can feck up real life as well you know so uh, th- there's a there's a gooey element to this because humans are have emotions they're gooey and some some of these guys if things aren't going right for them after a year or two will go i've got an eight-year contract i'm winston bogarden this all day long and i'm refusing to leave and, mm. and that's going to be an issue that could potentially be an issue if the club doesn't 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 uh, get back into gear and i think that's essentially why they got rid of him was because they made the mistake and they couldn't wait for potter to have 18 months and turning to Manchester United potentially of eighteen months of, you know, not really threatening for to be at the top and maybe floundering around in the Europa League for a team like Chelsea, that isn't good enough, and that's not going to pay the bills over time. Mm. But like you, you look at Mudrich, who hasn't hit the ground running, prob- not looking likely to hit the ground ru- or or improve anyway, and he could still be sitting there picking up those wages in six years' time. And and they and they probably grow over time as well. The the contract is probably every year the wages go up. So good luck to them sorting that shit show yeah. out. That's all I have to say on it. Yeah, and, and look at that. And what we're saying here is it's like Graham Potter isn't a bad manager overnight. I, I said it over well, the last week. No, he's, he's a brilliant manager, an absolutely brilliant, brilliant manager. If and you're, he's if doing you allow right, him manage. He's doing the right thing, not going to Chelsea. I, I think he's right now. I think he not deserves a break. Go, or to Leicester. Sorry, go go yeah. and enjoy your Enjoy your break, enjoy a few quid, go on a few holidays, and just just put all that behind you for a while, and then come back and start again. Because I I have no doubt, like there was a lot of talk that when Southgate was under pressure, that Potter would have got his job. You know what I mean? So 
that he, he he is he is still held in high esteem and I'm sure Leicester would have wanted him in straight away. And it seemed like the logical thing to do, but after going through that shit show, I can just see why he took the time out. Absolutely. Tom Ryan, thank you so much for that. Tom says, have a point on me. Thank you so much for that, Cheers, Tom. Tom. And Gary Cressman says, if I were Todd Bowley, I'd do everything I could to sign Unai Emery. No, no, <laughs> Villa have something nice for the first time ever. I, I, I read a statistic actually today. Do you know what? Like, we have to be careful where we said this because uh, uh, in, in, in the text group, it went, <laughs> there was a response back to it that I'm not brave enough to say in the podcast. But uh, Unai Emery had the most points after 50 games of, of any Arsenal manager in the Premier League. And they got rid of him after 78 games. And that's not because he he, he went off the side of a cliff. It's because other teams were that much better than Arsenal at the time. Now, so what I'm getting at here is that, you know, Unai Emery was questioned when he came into the Premier League. Oh, does he have it? He couldn't do it with Arsenal. Context is king. Context is absolutely king. And, you know, the context of that was that the teams that year that were in the Premier League were just, the, it, was, it was outstanding league, outstanding year. Unai Emery out outscored from a points point of view from the first 50 games for Arsenal um, every other manager that's ever managed in the Premier League. And um, that's just the, the, the reality. Actually, actually, I think it was every other manager that's managed since 1980 or something like that, Paddy, because there was mm. names on it there. There was actually, it was way more. It was like Dan Revy or someone who was on it as well. I must try and see if I can find it, actually, so that I can call, so that I can call it out. There was, there was like really old names on it. Let me see that, because that's going to that's gonna annoy me now if I don't find that. Um, but look, we we all know that he was on a hiding to nothing coming in there after the Wenger years and, and the fans expecting trophies every year. And just when fans are used to that, they become entitled and it's 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 a hard act to follow. So he's I, I like if you I, I would imagine if you said to Uno Emery today, uh, we're going to give you five million a year in wages. And Chelsea says we'll give you five million a year in wages. I think he'd take our project over Chelsea because it's an it's an absolute shit show that nobody wants. Um, so yeah, there you go. It goes back. Jesus, I don't even know who Jack Crayston and Tom Whitaker are. I know who Herbert yeah. Chapman is. Right? Once again, I'm open to suggestion that this isn't true, and I know that not every meme you see on on the internet is true. But most wins in first fifty games as Arsenal manager. Outrageous. 23 wins. I suppose what it also shows shows there, Paddy, is that you know you go <laughs> you look at that and you go, how forgiving teams were back then when they realized that there was building to be done. And then you look at Graham. And the reason I bring this up is 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 twofold because Graham Potter, Graham Potter didn't get time because Chelsea needed to recoup the capital. And we're lucky we're in a position whereby We've got a man who's gone on and done something like this as well with Aston Villa. I'd love to know what the statistics are for his first 15 games, where he rates in the lexicon of that with, with, with other team, other managers. I wouldn't imagine he's at the top, but, but I would say that he's pretty close. So I'd say he could be in the top three of Aston Villa, Aston Villa managers after the first 15 games. And I can't wait to see where he is after the first 50 games because the trajectory is high. It's very, very high. Yeah, I would imagine he'll be right up near the top when it comes when it comes to looking back on his first fifty or a hundred games because the only the only way is up, and yeah. 
and I would imagine he's in for a ruthless summer and anyone that hasn't bought into what he's at at the moment will be for the high road. I so, think so, yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting uh, an interesting few months. But um, yeah, I'd just like to address something else. I'm, I'm reading a lot of people saying we're not ready for Europe. Like, what, what do people want? We're fucking on our arse for ten years, and they're going, oh no, no, we're not, we're not ready for Europe. I never heard such shit in my life. Why would you turn down Europe and the money that comes with it? Yeah, I, I think we are. I think I think we're definitely ready for Europe, Europa League. I, I had this conversation in Claret and Blue, and somebody said, Neil, you're everywhere lately. Um, I, I feel like I've been everywhere lately. Where is that? Neil, you're everywhere lately, says Matt Edgett Austin. Yeah, um, I just love talking Aston Villa. I just absolutely love it. It's become a huge, huge, huge part of my life. And, uh, you know, I'll talk about it to anybody until the cows come home. And, we don't and, play and just the this weekend. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, by the way, put it this way. Yeah, if you think the microphone uh, is 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 a uh, is a precursor to me up my mouth talking about Aston Villa, wait till you see we would pint glass in my hand because uh, I just won't stop at all. So apologies in advance. But um, I had this conversation with John Tony and um, and Dan Ronaldson on on, on the Carrot Blue podcast, and um, I think I think being ready for Europa League football or Europa Conference football. I think it's all predicated on the manager, and if you've got a very, if you've got a good manager who's a good, intelligent manager, I think that you can you can mix and match between the two. I'm not fully sure I buy into the squad depth argument. No, obviously, it's it. I think Villa will definitely strengthen, but I think it's more to do with manager, and we have probably the best European manager, the best manager in Europe to manage a small squad that's overachieving in a European competition. In probably the history of the tour of European tournaments. Yeah. Now, obviously, you're going to talk about like not not you, but like, people are going to talk about. Oh yeah, but sure, Pep can do it, and Klopp could do it for a period of time, and all that. Yeah, they've got mega stars, you know. Oh, unfortunately, we don't just yet. So if you're if you're trying to manage a, a squad of of tight knit squad that need to be mm. a unit to play together, I I, I genuinely I, I couldn't, and I I would. Best anybody to name me a manager that would be better at doing that in the whole of world football, well, probably the whole of European football, than Unai Emery at the moment. And that's what makes me think that we are ready and we will always be ready when we've got somebody like Unai Emery. There will, if, if we got into the Europa Conference League or even the Europa League, with the players we have, even with our fringe players in the team, we are going to get out of the group stages. But yeah. like like every year... Like this year, you have a Man United, you have a Barcelona, you have, you have a Sevilla, you have someone waiting in the long grass that that probably shouldn't be in that tournament, and and you will get beaten, and that's fine. But look at the money people are turning down by saying we're not ready for it. Look what West Ham did. West Ham didn't spend any money. They don't. They're, they're playing playing with the same eleven players for for how long? They spent money on a striker in Skamaka, who I'm going to put my hand up and say I thought he'd be a hit in the Premier League. And he probably he could still very well be, but he's not yeah. getting any chance. You know, he's not getting any chance. Um, no, well, they can't. They can't afford it. They can't afford to put people who are misfiring in at the moment because they need every no. point that they can pick up. Nope. That's the way it is. Like we 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 went through that uh, that that period when we stayed up, ironically at West Ham, and we had to use like we we the only changes we were making were Trezeguet for. Uh, El Ghazi or vice versa, yeah. <laughs> you know, we we yeah. we 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 know well to go to to bring anybody out of it. So yeah, if we if we get into Europe, we have a summer to bring in a couple of players. The money that will be made by qualifying for Europe, the money that will be made for on the television rights for Europe, will cover all that. 
I'm just sick to the teeth. It, it, for, for, for me, for me, I, it, it's it's not even a money thing for me. What it is for me is is the stature. It's re, and I said this as well. It is. Is you, you you think you you think think back to twelve months ago when. The big, obviously, like Super League failed. Uh, we haven't even spoken. We've barely spoken about Leicester. Sorry for anybody who came here to listen about Leicester chat. It is coming somehow. This is very tangential <laughs> tonight. I do apologize. But um, what the 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 big the the breakaway teams? What we call for the Super League? Um, they then came back with a with a, on a with a position whereby UEFA are very heavily thinking about it, and I'm better waiting until the season is over. Start making murmurs about bringing it in. But the coefficient, you know, your previous history in European football. So bring a club coefficient in there for each individual club as opposed to for the nation. And if we want to, if we want to start getting into Europe, uh, or getting into Europe, yes, merit is going to get us in there. But if we want to start solidifying our time in Europe, you know, getting into the lower lower European competitions, the the Conference League and stuff like that, is going to grow your coefficient. Um, And... While it's not in place at the moment, you can be damn guaranteed these big clubs are going to need to be in Europe the whole time and they're terrified of Nouveau money coming in and Nouveau money coming in and buying a, um, a like a Newcastle. A Newcastle who's, yes, they were in the Champions League back in the, day, the days of Shearer and all that, um, but they're, they're, that's why they're bringing in this coefficient thing is to keep the likes of Villa, Newcastle, Clubs that are sleeping giants, that are dormant, that with the injection of money that Man City got, will would be shoot to the top, you know, and make mm. it make it even more, make it even it, it, more teams kind of pulling at the same meat. But and and that's what they're going to do. So now is the right now is exactly the right time to ha- for that to happen, so 100%. that you can start because it'll be too late once they bring this rule in. Um, and look, I, I, with regards to Europe, we'll, we'll be talking about that, I suppose, more and more, I think, over the course of the next few weeks, as our hopes strengthen or dwindle as the as the weeks go on. And hopefully, well, obviously, as I said, I, I, I just, you know, after 12, 13 years of an absolute fucking shit show, can we not just enjoy yeah. it for what it is at the moment without yeah. having without having uh, accountants on Twitter, <laughs> accountants on Twitter telling us we're not ready for it? Look, just just enjoy what it is because there's there's a whole generation of people now that haven't seen Villa play in Europe, and while I missed out on them in the noughties when when I was buying a house and kids were young and I couldn't afford to go, the nineteen nineties when when I I went to places like Atletico Madrid away. I was gonna say seriously, guys, the the the, the crack and and the few days we had on those trips. Strom, Strom's God says, so I can't even say the name of it, but I've been there. Incredible stuff. It's just amazing memories. Um, yeah. and, and and even those that went to Ajax and places like that in the noughties, you know, it's absolutely amazing. To, to, to be able to travel and watch Villa is incredible. The, the, the people you meet and friends for life that you come across, um, it's just an amazing thing to happen. So we, we just got to embrace it if it happens. We've got to enjoy it. We might go out in the first round. Who cares? We've got there. It's something to build on. It's something to attract players to the team. But you're right. We need to move on to, to Leicester eventually. Exactly, because uh, we've we've fought four teams, three teams anyway, at least to leapfrog before we get into, we can start dreaming about Europe, yeah. really. Well, we could be, if all goes our way, we could be top six tomorrow night, remember? That's exactly, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um. So talking about Leicester, just twenty-eight, nearly twenty-eight minutes into the podcast, 
Um, like I could name their team for you right now. I think I could, and and, and that to me is <clears throat> that to me goes to the fact that they've got good players, and it also goes to the fact that what I mentioned at the start of the podcast that they're, they were going stale. So I bet you Everson will be in goals. Uh, you probably have Pereira. Um, okay, maybe I couldn't name their team. <laughs> I got a complete blank about what said yeah, the Rams. Back, yeah, the back the back four won't change. Probably Suter, be... Suter, and and Suter face. face. Yeah. and and uh, Castagna rifle, Castagna, maybe Luke Thomas, Christian, yeah, Christensen left wolf. They'll have Dewsbury, Holland, and Didi sitting. Um, Barnes, Madison, Tete, and I would imagine it's going to be Ianacho. Oh, it's Ianacho for sure, yeah. Um, so Ianacho, Daka, or or uh, or Jamie Vardy, who have all had really good games against us over the years, yeah. Um, James Madison is apparently. N- they're managing an injury. Thanks, Rod. Cheers, Rod. Um, you know, and and if a, like without Tielemans as well, I'm happy he's not there to be honest, because he he always plays well against us too, as does Harvey Barnes. So look, they will they will pose a threat. Um, I hope they don't announce a manager before tomorrow evening. I think that's important for us. I hope they announce <laughs> Rafa. Well, There's big rumors going around that it might be Rafa. Yeah. I, well, I, I don't care who it is. I, I just don't want it to be announced tomorrow. I don't want the players to have to feel that they're yeah. they're playing for somebody tomorrow. So it, I, re- I really couldn't give a shiny shine who it is because it's Leicester, it's not Aston Villa. But we, we'll wait and see what, what that brings. But just don't do it tomorrow and, and have him sitting in the stand, whoever that is, and them waiting to, 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 to show what they can do to the new manager. That's what That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. I I agree, and, and like as I say, with, with that team, that's that's a good team. That's a good Leicester team. Yeah, I I think you could say the same thing about a, a lot of teams in the Premier League that they're looking for a number nine. But Ianacho scores against Aston Villa, so like he's he, that's what he does. That's how he's he's gotten contract after contract is he just scores goals against Villa, and you can guarantee it. Um, and and uh, you know we're going to need to be on our on our toes with him tomorrow. That back that that tree there just behind him. Our formidable outfit. You know, as you said, Madison may maybe he doesn't start the game. Maybe, um, maybe they're managing that injury, as you said there. Mm. But uh, you know, Dennis Pratt is uh, doubtful for the game tomorrow as well, uh, apparently. But um, it'd be interesting to see what way they what way they look at that 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 tree in behind the striker because they've like they're one of the few teams that has really really persisted with the four two three one. Um, they've really persisted. Like they're one of the few, they're, they're one of the teams now in the Premier League that's that's not really kind of uh, straight at all from it. Some teams have gone maybe to a three at the back for maybe a couple of games, mm. or whatever. Uh, maybe they have. In fact, actually, you know, the more I think about it, I think Rogers might have gone to a three at the back. But you know, it's almost synonymous. But since Vardy's been at the club, they've left him up top on his own, left him do all the donkey work, and then played players in around him. And and I, and I think that that's that that's interesting, you know, yeah. for, for for this team. And, and newsflash: um, we're we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna see any difference tomorrow if a manager was only appointed yeah. yesterday as as a temporary uh, a temporary manager after after uh, their warm down yesterday morning. So uh, it, it'll be it, while it'll be an interesting team selection because there's always a bolter when that happens. Yeah. Um. But I don't I don't envisage anything. Strange, other than Pats and Daka, maybe not starting. I'd probably see you in that show in there. Yeah, maybe you might see if he's fit. Maybe like Sumarez had a very, very good season. Maybe he's in there instead of Indeedy. Maybe he's instead in there instead of Dewsbury Hall. 
to really solidify that there. You know, Dewsbury Hall is, has yeah. been, you know, a find for <clears throat> them from their academy system, but maybe they go with somebody who's just very much kind of put a foot in the ball and pass it sideways type player like the Samaria comes in there as well. I don't know, but you know, it's it's there there. They've got good players. They've invested they've invested pretty well throughout the course of the years. Yeah, probably it's stagnated. Well it has stagnated because they didn't buy that many players over the last 18 months. But prior to that they were you know they had a really good scouting system. Sure one of them is is now part of our scouting system and Rob McKenzie. But you know there I, I like the look at of Tete um, who's come in there scored a good goal against us and we have to be on our guard against this Leicester team because they they the only time they've really turned it on this season has been against us. Now I don't think that Owen Armory is going to set up the same way he did at Villa Park, but you know we need to go there and get a goal early. You need to turn that crowd against the team. They've been turned against the manager for a long time. You need to know now we need to turn them against the team as well. And it I, I actually genuinely believe that it's the biggest game of our season tomorrow. Because three points tomorrow has us absolutely buzzing going into mm-hmm. Forest. Selfish yeah. reasons. I want us to be really buzzing going into Forest. <laughs> Villa Park will ex- Villa Park with with the potential of going of, of leapfrogging more teams again on Saturday and the potential of going three games one in a row, like or one in a week. It would be massive, absolutely huge. The, the atmosphere would be out of this world, but it can't be that way unless we win tomorrow. Yeah. That's why. That's why you know. I'm, and I'm, I'm I said, it, I said it. it after our game on on Saturday that this could be our our uh, our most important week of our season. If we pick up nine points this week, imagine what it's going to look like come Saturday evening when when we're sitting in uh, in in whatever pub drinking a uh, dirty horrible. No Bastard such thing. <laughs> I, I, if 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 look, Paddy, put it this way, right? We'd have a few points before the game and a few points during the game and. At that stage, there'll be no such thing as dirty, horrible beer because it all tastes the same. Um, David Stiles says here that the stat about Emery, about Leicester being Emery's bogey team has tempered my excitement a little bit. Hope you can put that to bed. Big thing I would say there is that you're right. Emery has never be- beaten a Mike Stoll as a manager. He's never beaten Mike Stoll as a manager. Um, has he ever played against no, him? No, I, I jest. I jest and I joke about that. Actually, myself and Bardell were trying to figure out if he did play against him because... Um, Stoll took over in, 19, in 2019 and 2017, and we were wondering, was Emery manager back then um, when uh, when he was caretaker manager? But I don't think he was. Uh, look, we've we've vanquished an awful lot of uh, of ghosts. And Una, yeah. excuse me, Una Emery has as well. Um, he laughs in the face of danger. You know, that's what we see at, the, at this moment in time. So go get the monkey off your back, Una, and, uh, and let's beat... Um, Let's beat, uh, yeah, I, and this is another one from from Paul McAllister, but let's go and beat, uh, beat, beat Leicester at the weekend. But I genuinely believe there's revenge in the hearts of Una Emery. And I'll tell you why I believe that, Paddy. I believe it because the post-match press conference, he almost gritted his teeth when he started talking about Tuesday night. We want to go out on Tuesday night. We want to be better. Why do we want yeah. to be better? Because they humbled us <laughs> for the park. Yeah, yeah. They really did. We would have expected maybe to lose to Arsenal. Would have maybe expected to lose the city. I bet you, if you were to if you were to stick a a, a lie detector on him, he didn't expect to lose to Leicester. Or maybe he, he would have given them the, the respect they deserve. They deserve. Don't get me wrong. This is me yeah. trotting all over Leicester. They're a good team. I've just no, well, it was, well, it was more got to do with the manner of the performance more than anything. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet you he's torn over that because after yeah. that game, he came out and he was a bit. He's spitting fire. 
He started calling mm. things not right, and I don't know how we can do this. Why we can't play at home? He was frustrated. He was ratty yeah. after that. And, and they would have. Um, they, they. I'm. I'm. I'm ninety nine percent sure that they would have sat through that game again today. That's that's the yeah. type of manager we're dealing with here now, and he will talk them through every aspect of that game, which he probably did after that game, but just to remind them that what Leicester did to us the last day was unacceptable. That like. It was. We, we it was only... our only unacceptable performance, I think, so far this yeah. season. Ninety minute performance, I think, so far this season. Hundred percent. Like, like we were unlucky to to lose a point against Arsenal. We we could have nicked something at Manchester City, although it was probably out of sight. But Wolves, um, home, Wolves first half was <clears throat> dour enough, but yeah, still still came back, still came back and got a point out of it. Speaking of which, we we were uh, slagging a little bit before we came on air. Uh, Everton came back with 10 men and drew against Spurs tonight. We weren't really slagging. Uh, Spurs went down to 10 men as well. Oh, yeah, but that was, yeah, that was Luke Moore, Lucas Moore in the 88th minute and they scored in the 90th minute. Michael Keane. Yeah. Um, Kane and Keane. And in some parts of Ireland, you'd call Kane Keane as well and you'd call Keane Kane. So for anybody who's not Irish, you're definitely not going to understand what that means, but it happens. K-E-A-N-E, where I'm living at the moment in Galway, is pronounced Kane, and K-A-N-E, in some parts of, down right down the south of Ireland, is pronounced Keen. Look, just have a few points, and it all, sounds, it all makes sense after that. Just just, just do it. Don't worry about it. Um, Rod's talking about Stevenage being, uh, being, our, being our worst <laughs> performance. I actually think the Stevenage performance is actually all right, yeah. except for the last five minutes, but I know, I know where you're coming from in that one. Um, that was a cocky performance, yeah. and, I, and we certainly haven't seen. And we did um, rest a, a couple level of players too. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Look, we we're, high. we're we're not giving them a pass for Stevenage all the same. No, we're not giving them a pass for Stevenage all the same. Um, I put it to you this way: I I will totally forgive the Stevenage performance if we qualify for Europe this season. Because <laughs> I thought I'll our totally best chance getting into Europe was getting a win in the FA Cup or getting to the final and being beaten by a Champions League team. So yeah. yes, if we if we get to Europe, I couldn't give a shit about the Stevenage performance. Um. Phil there for a minute, Paddy. Something's just popped into my head. Um, what do you mean, Phil? This is the most I've ever spoken on this podcast. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, well, go for it. Go I'm for on a it. roll. <laughs> um, points total. Um, Z, ah, talk about FCZ. You talk, yes, FCZ. Yes, the announcement today. You know, you were of the opinion that we announced this already. We did. I, f- I found I found three articles. One in <laughs> the Birmingham okay. saying, "Yeah, in 2021 it was announced, but it was announced that there was an initial agreement. This is the formalisation and the and, and a long term agreement being signed." Yeah, so we were both right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've I've bad news for people to think we're uh, we're uh, getting involved with it. A real. Um, Historic football club like like ourselves and like and like Vittoria Gumer is, but uh, ZFC are only um, thirteen years old. <coughs> they were formed in two thousand and nine. They were de- then called uh, FC Mazar. Um, they're from a town called Gezira in Egypt. They wear all black. They're like the All Blacks, um, which is a strange choice of color given the heat that they play in. Um, well, Paddy, would you believe that black? While black attracts the sun, it holds it in as well. And um, we'll get into it some other time. It's a physics right. thing. Neither here nor there. No. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a small club. Um, they play in the appropriately named Zed Park. They've got a capacity of 4,000 uh, in, in that stadium. 
They're owned by Anzi Suarez, who is the nephew of Nasir Suarez. Hence, the uh, the tie-up was almost inevitable from the start. Um, they play in the second division, the second tier of uh, of the Egyptian league. Uh, in their 13 years, they've only played in the Premier League for one season and they were relegated straight away. So, just to give you a, an insight into to what we're buying, it's or not we're buying, but the V Sports are, are are getting involved with. Um, it's 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 not someone that we're automatically going to be pulling players from or anything like that. So uh, you can get that out of your head. Only funny enough, they've been managed twice by Mohamed Salah, not the Mohamed Salah, but they <laughs> they were managed twice by Mohamed Salah. So it's it's a uh, it's it's an interesting one. Um. They've obviously formalised it. I think the U team are out there playing this week, are they? They are. Yeah, they're playing yeah. under 17 tournament with Panathinaikos. I think Feyenoord are out there as well. FCZ, Victoria Grimage, ourselves. So there's a little international under 17 tournament on out there as well. And I think we saw Mr. Uh, Mr. Cole Ramsey was one of the faces of the tour of the the announcement of the tournament as well. So uh, well. I don't know what Cole Ramsey... Actually, I should have really Googled him to see what he looked like. I couldn't really tell you what he looked like. I saw a guy and I went, oh, he's surely a Ramsey. He looks exactly <laughs> like Jacob. <laughs> so I'm guessing that it was Cole Ramsey um, that it was there. Yeah, it was Cole Ramsey that was there. Um, I just Googled him there. Um, so, yeah, it's look, it's it, what it, all these links for me, Paddy, are great, you know, because you don't need to form partnerships with clubs that are of massive, massive stature. Sometimes, you know, building a club to a kind of a a medium base is probably even better because you want your players to go and play at a certain level. Now, I think this is going to be more of a a situation whereby Aston Villa will use that and the Senegalese uh, link up they have to scout Africa and to bring African players in, in there. To, to grow that club, I don't put it this way. I don't think Louis Barry is going to be playing for FCZ next year in, in a loan deal or Arian Reiki or anything like that. I don't think that's going to happen. What I do think is, is it's going to, we're going to utilize maybe the North African contingent there, um, scouting the, the scouting networks around there. And I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe one or two more um, uh, clubs in, in other countries come on board. But uh, look, I think it's positive as well. Egypt is a massive footballing country, huge footballing country. If you can mm. call, and and from from the point of view of revenue as well, remember that guys. From the point of view of revenue, if you can corner, if you could could somehow go in and corner like six percent of the Egyptian market for Aston Villa, six percent more, based on the fact we've Trezeguet, uh, or we had Trezeguet previously. But if you could go in and get FCZ up the, up into the Premier League and get him solidified in there in the in the Egyptian top division or whatever like that. And then it grows, and then FCZ fans then become Aston Villa fans, just like I followed the Cleveland Browns, because Cleveland Browns and Villa had linked together. And just because, you know, when we see lots of of um of fans from the US and 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 we even we we will over time, I would imagine as John Heather Duran starts scoring goals for Columbia, start seeing more Colombian fans come and follow Aston Villa. That's the way it works, you know. Ties start to happen that way. And no, I'm 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 okay with this. I'm absolutely okay with this, and I think it's going to be the first of of a couple of more clubs that may not be massive starlight names in their in their their leagues, but they will be. They will offer a scouting network. They will offer an opportunity to grow players within a certain area, and um, it's 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 all about um, you know that 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 those kind of ties and infrastructural ties that can help. And it's so, it's, yeah. a, it's all coming together. So we have an Egyptian owner, and we now have an Egyptian team. We've got the Las Vegas villains potentially coming down the line. And 
the one thing that I love hearing these things, the the likes of um, Vittoria Gumarez, the likes of Zed, the, 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 the link in, in Africa as well, is that they're totally invested in this. They're not going away anywhere. You know, they're they're invested in this project. We are we are the the elite team in that project. And you know, no disrespect to Vittoria Gumarez, they're 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 doing very well in the league. They're they they could potentially be in Europe too as well. Um so look, it's 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 all pointing towards the the owners being an integral part of this club for many years to come, and that's what's important to me. Mm. Absolutely. Um, Chad from uh, Villa Forever podcast. I'm going to be popping on with him maybe maybe next week, maybe next Thursday. If you're not following that podcast, Villa Forever podcast, give it a follow. Um, great guy, and I'm going to be popping on and chat with him. Hopefully, <laughs> Chad, uh, I can tell you now that it's not Budweiser he's drinking because no, that's usually what, what I would drink, no, and he gives me I, an off I, I of my I give him an off time. It's, it's, uh, it's Madri is, is what it is, the bottom of Madri. But, uh, yeah, if you guys want to, like, I've, I watched, I've watched a couple of, uh, which has podcasts there. He was, he had Greg Evans on recently as well. So give it a, give it a check, check it out. And, and I'm looking forward to going and, and chatting, uh, next Thursday, I think it is the, the 13th. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to drop on and have a chat on that as well. So thanks a million for watching, uh, Chad, as always. Um, right, Paddy. Anything else we need to talk about this Leicester game? We've we've done our best to not talk about Leicester tonight. Like <laughs> I don't know why, and I'm really looking forward to it. Like as I say, it's not, and and I hope it doesn't come across as a as as, as the fact that you know the noise and the ball from us, but it really is. It's just we got tangentially down other avenues today, and um, there's a lot to talk about in the footballing world at the yeah, moment. There's a lot going on, and that's you know there's a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of people love this this show during the week because we just talk about what comes into our heads as opposed to being totally focused on everything else so if, if that's the case you're more than welcome we'll, we, we're well able to come on and talk shite for whatever amount of time you want us to talk shite as well but uh yeah it's 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 um it's a big game we, we'll talk about it a little bit more tomorrow in the team sheet tantrum i'm sure um i think i think i'm i'm, I'm kind of just gliding and glossing across it because uh it's uh I just don't want to imagine what it'd be like if we lost the bloody game. I'm just on the crest of a wave at the moment, and I'm so, so happy with how everything is going, and I hope it stays the same. Absolutely. I'm the same, and I'm going to be honest. I think one of the reasons why Leicester is kind of, why the Leicester game is kind of popping on my mind is sometimes you need a decompression from the first game. It's coming 72 hours after um, after the game at the weekend, which was a big high. I, I, I genuinely, I, I really kind of, I, I was really happy after beating Chelsea because um, I wasn't quite sure whether we would. Um, I felt we had the opportunity to do it, but I wasn't quite sure whether we would. Um, and I thought we might have had a moral victory as such because we had such a bad uh, a bad record against Chelsea. But we went and we beat them. And, uh, you know, I, I suppose the, the, there's there's so much kind of going on from in the world since, in the footballing world, and specifically with regards to Chelsea. And, you know, when you come on directly after the game, you kind of talk just about that 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 kind of off the cuff from the bottom of your stomach kind of guttural emotion and and uh, I think it's probably too close to the Chelsea game for us to give this game it's it's fair due but I I hope if there is any Leicester fans in watching this podcast first of all um I like Leicester I've been on a lot of Leicester fan podcasts previous and uh, they're good guys and when they beat us four two um I was on a podcast and I was I was messaging the guy and I was there oh my God can you please you know 
stop. Stop kicking the ball over our defenders <laughs> and running onto it. And I think as I said, and he sent me back. He was magnanimous and he said, "Listen, there's a long way to go yet. There was maybe about forty minutes to go in the game." And uh, yeah, I've I've got a good time for Leicester. So um, yeah, but as I say, uh, tomorrow come mm. what what uh, quarter to eight, um, I will definitely be showing for Aston Villa. No spoilers there. And I hope the yeah. Villa go and, and exercise the demons of that four-two defeat. Marine Boy says we, we always had a good record at the old Filbert Street. Uh, I only went to Filbert Street once and we lost. I'm pretty sure Martin O'Neill was the manager. Um, Del Boy, who listens to the podcast, I think I told the story before, we spent a week over there and uh, we went to went to Leicester and for some strange reason we went to see uh, Crystal Palace versus Bolton at, at Selhurst Park. <laughs> strange strange week, but uh, yeah, lots of stories from that trip. But we, we did Two. lose at... Uh, we did lose at um, at Filbert Street, and if if you've never been to Filbert Street, if you ever see the videos of of what it's like getting into the away end of uh, Kenilworth Road, Luton Town, that's exactly what Filbert Street was like. You're going in through someone's back garden to get into the away end. It was good crack. Yeah, I was just about to say uh, Satter's Park and Filbert Street. Um, I think I read somewhere there are two two grounds where you definitely feel the breeze rip through them. You know, specifically <laughs> back in the day, and probably st- if Filbert Street was still there, I know we're probably still exactly the same. But anyway, that's going to do it for tonight, guys. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, give it a thumbs up on your way out if you haven't done so already. The more thumbs up we get, the more YouTube pushes it to would be watchers and would be listeners. And uh, we can only thank you for doing all you do for the podcast from that point of view. Um, and yeah, as I say, we're going to be back tomorrow with the team sheet tantrum. 6.35 weird time but we'll be, we will be here 10 minutes before the team sheet is known 6.35 back here tomorrow with that post-match podcast is pending tomorrow I'm not 100% sure will I be will I be around to be able to do it but um, if I am we will do a podcast uh, close enough to the end of the game it could be a bit later it mightn't be on the final whistle again uh, as normal but um, we, will, we will come with a post-match podcast at some stage tomorrow night uh, to discuss it it could be closer to 10 o'clock uh, GMT uh, for any of you here in, in the UK and, and in Ireland so uh, keep an eye out for that but thanks so much everybody for joining us tonight and uh, yeah I suppose really all the stuff to say is I'm looking forward to this game and I hope you all are too so stay safe stay healthy and all that's left to say is up the villa up the villa Podcast Network.